Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. So good to have you here with us today. Hey, if you are someone who's just on that journey, that quest, that adventure, trying to find and do work you love, you have come to the right place, my friend. Every single week, we're going to be bringing to you stories and journeys of people who are uh, found work that they love, that they're passionate about. And so many times when you hear someone else's story and journey of what it is that they're doing, oftentimes it, it can resonate with you and say, all right, if they can do something that they love, then surely I can figure out what that thing is for me. So today's story and journey is no exception. So we got some good stuff for you. Before we get into that, I do want to remind you that next Tuesday, March the 3rd, we are doing a free webinar, a free workshop all about the subject of how to get booked and paid to speak. So if you are someone who'd say, hey, Grant, I want to speak full time, or if you are interested in just speaking a couple times a year and maybe just adding it to your current business or current work, then this is something you're not going to want to miss out on. So as many of you may know, I've been a speaker for the past several years. In the past uh, about six, seven years in my career as a speaker, I've generated over a million dollars in revenue. And so I know a lot about this subject of how to get booked and paid to speak. And so I want to teach you everything I know on this subject. So you're not going to want to miss this. Again, it's going to be a totally free webinar, free workshop, but you do have to register. Again, go to grantbaldon.com slash webinar. Again, grantbaldon.com slash webinar. I'm going to tell you how to find gigs, how to negotiate fees, when you should speak for free, when you shouldn't speak for free. What are the marketing materials you need when you get rolling? All these just basic questions that you may be rattling around in your head right now. I'm going to tell you everything I know. We're going to get you going in the right direction. So again, grantbaldon.com slash webinar. Don't miss it, my friends. All right. Today, we are joined by my friend Casey Graham. Casey runs The Rocket Company, where they're helping churches and businesses better kind of streamline and run what it is that they do, better uh, kind of run the business side of their operation. So he's got a great story and journey of how he kind of stumbled into the work that he's doing today and a lot of great lessons that he learned along the way. So let's get into it. Here's my interview with my friend Casey Graham of The Rocket Company. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Casey Graham of the Rocket Company, a company that helps churches providing resources and tools to help them do what they do best. So Casey, what is up, man? How you doing? Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Grant. Honored to hang out with you and excited to get into your story and journey today. So let's give a little snapshot here. What exactly is the Rocket Company? Obviously, you're not building any type of NASA stuff or space shuttles. So what is it that you do and what is it that you provide to churches? Well, we actually are building a NASA thing. So, <laughs> a little side project. <laughs> Just yeah, on the side. Uh, me and Richard Branson are, are partnering on it. So, well done. Uh, no, man, I'm just kidding. We're, you know, here's what we do. Our purpose is simple that we help people break through. And so, um, our mission over the next four years is to create 10,000 financial breakthroughs by the end of 2018. And primarily in two niches. One is in the church space. We like to help churches break through financially. And the second space is the space that is near and dear to my heart and yours as well. We talked about this a little before we came on air is the businesses space. So we have Church Rocket and Business Rocket that are kind of the, the, the brands inside of the Rocket company of the two niches that we serve. Gotcha. Now, now you kind of came up, I think, similar to us, where we were talking again a little bit beforehand, that you kind of came up in the church world and the traditional pastoral world. So what was that like? What were you doing before? Well, I didn't go to church until I was 17. I mean, I was from the South, and so everybody kind of has association with church. So I went to church every now and then, but I wasn't connected to church or anything. And so at 17, 
I jumped headfirst in, man. And from 17 to 27, I was an intern. I was a college intern. I did all kind of crazy different internships at different churches, uh, large, small, everywhere in between. And then when I was 22, I came on staff right after college at a church startup here in Atlanta. I moved over to Atlanta and then for five years went really hard at helping a church go from two to about 1,600 in attendance. And I was just, I called it the get crap done pastor. So I just did whatever they asked me to do whenever I was asked to do it. And so that was kind of my journey in ministry. That's always the dangerous thing being, and I don't think this is exclusive to churches, but just small companies in general is it's dangerous to volunteer for something because then you become that guy. And, oh, well, he did it last time, so he, therefore he can, he can do it all this time. So it sounds like you were kind of in a, a similar spot there. Yeah, I, it totally. And so when you're the willing young guy, they're just like, let's burn this guy up as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> show, show him what this is really like. So especially those first five years of you're at the church, you're helping build something and create something. What was it about it that was just kind of resonating and clicking for you? Or was it? What was resonating or clicking? Is that the question you ask? Yeah. Like what were you, like, what were you enjoying about it? Did you feel like this is the thing that you wanted to do long-term or is it just kind of like, you know, this is just paying the bills and I'm just kind of passing through. No, no, no. When I was first into it, I thought this was, I would die of doing that. Yeah. I loved it and I was full on deep into it and it was, you know, I didn't really have a life outside of that. And that's kind of what my identity was and what I liked doing. And I spent a lot of time, effort, energy thinking about it, trying to kind of go up the ranks. And so by the time I started at 21, I was an intern. By the time I was 27, I was the chief financial officer of the church. And I was over a lot of different areas. And I was one of the, uh, what they called leading elders, which is kind of like the, I guess the executive team of the church. And so I kind of was like working my way up and wanted to be the best and all that kind of stuff. So man, it was a full on pursuit for 10 years of my life and five years full time. I mean, I absolutely loved it. And I loved seeing people's lives changed. And I loved that part of it. The stuff that wasn't clicking for me is that I started, I think I got pregnant with a vision while I was there. (laughs) And I created a course called Rethink Money, which I thought was going to help people in our church. And that's why I created it for our church to help people get free with their finances. And I love Dave Ramsey and I love all these other courses and stuff, but they're so long. It's like 13 weeks. And I was like, man, I can't get people to show up. I need this to happen in a weekend. And so we created like a weekend immersion experience to create breakthrough in people's personal finances. And man, we did it for two years in the church, but then people started asking me, they started saying, Casey, can you come do this at our church? Or what are y'all doing at your church? And so I started spending more and more of my time thinking about what was happening outside the place I was working in inside. And my pastor and I had conversations and he's a great guy. He was just like, at some point, you know, you got to make up your mind. Are you going to do this here? Or, you know, do you need to have this baby and go somewhere else? Whenever you are are just starting down that trail, because it sounds like at the time things are going fine. You're moving up the proverbial, you know, a church ladder or corporate ladder. You're in an executive type of role. Sounds like, you know, things are going well there. Are you liking it? Are you looking for an out or this just kind of evolves over time? No, yeah. I was not ever looking for an out and I never, I've never put together a resume in my life. I don't know how to do that. I don't like looking for another job was never an option literally it was just a bubbling up over about two years. So when I was 25 years old, I start talking to my wife about, I want to go start a church. And she kept saying, I don't want to do that. And I was like, well, we need to do this. And like, we just had tension there for about 18 months of, I thought that's what I should do. 
And then about 18 months into that journey and kind of conversation of wanting to start something and wanting to be an entrepreneur and do something outside of that local setting, it just hit me one day when I was writing in my journal and I literally was just writing down thoughts in my journal. And I just asked myself these questions like, what do I like to do? I mean, it's just, it was a simple question. I like to help people with their finances. I like to see people motivated and win. You know, I, I like to see people break through and go from something that they never thought possible, something they thought possible. And so I just, I started writing it down and then I looked back at the piece of paper and that day it hit me as like, hey, that's a business, but that's a business that can help churches. And I said, that's what I need to do. And I told my wife, hey, we don't need to start a church. You're right. I want to go start a company that helps churches. And she said, now that's more like it. I can see us doing that. I can see you doing that. And that kind of was the whole genesis of it. And literally within a couple of weeks, you know, I'd been talking for so long about doing something. My wife looked at me and she said, Casey, you either need to pee or get off the pot with this idea. And literally that morning she told me that. I called my pastor that day and said I need to sit down with him. And I fired myself from the church job and I hired myself as the CEO of absolutely nothing that day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a bittersweet day in many ways, I'm sure. Yes, totally. So whatever you're having that moment where things are kind of building up and kind of bubbling up and you're starting to see like there may be something here and it seems like I'm, I'm being pulled in a lot of different directions. At what point is it finally like sticking with you? Like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And this is the thing. Is it when you're writing that or is that the first time you kind of had that epiphany or was it anything like else leading up to that that kind of led to you said deciding like, yeah, I got to give this entrepreneur thing a shot? Well, I'd been an entrepreneur in the church and I'd created that course I talked to you about called Rethink Money. And so then it hit me as like, hey, I just got to take this Rethink Money show on the road. And it was funny that all along I was thinking I needed to, I wasn't thinking about creating a business when I created Rethink Money. I was thinking about helping people. And I think that's sometimes where the best business ideas come from is when it's not a business idea. Right. Um, when it's simply just something you're trying to do to help people with a problem. And so I was solving a problem and then it just hit me, oh, wow. I can just take this show on the road. So I need to just start selling it to other churches. And so it was kind of that moment where I had a parallel track going on of I thought it was a church, but the whole time I created the business that I was going to do all along by creating this course that people were already going through. And I just didn't even see it because I was so close to it. But when it hit, I'm telling you, when it hit that day and I wrote it down in that journal, it was like boom, it clicked in my spirit. And I said, I have to do this. Not just I have to. I must do this. And when it became moved from a have to to a must, and it was a must issue, within three months, that's what I was doing full time. How did that change for you, that mentality of you have to to you must to? Like, what was it that kind of a, where the, I guess the, the switch clicked on for you that like, I, I must make this work? Well, when I fired myself and didn't have an income in a couple months. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> that was huge. But it was bigger than that is that. I'd always had a dream of owning a business. I'd always had a dream of creating stuff from scratch. I'd always had a dream of that, but I kind of never really thought that that, I thought that was for older people. You know, I thought that was for people sure. that were like in their thirties and had a big savings account. I thought it was for people that their parents maybe they went to some school or their parents were entrepreneurs or business owners. And like, I didn't see myself as a business owner. And so it really was when it hit me that day, I just said, like, this is it. Like my whole life, I've thought about doing this. This is the opportunity. And when I saw it, it was like, hey, 
I'm firing myself and it put me in such a state of like, go right now and sell something like today. And so literally I just started selling stuff. I made up stuff. Everything I sold was totally different to every church because it was just, I need to put money, cash in the bank right now. And so we started and we pushed so hard, even before I left my job. And when I started doing that and I started making sales and seeing that the market was validating that this was a need, it just fueled the fire. And man, it was no going back from there. Do you think you would have done that the same way today? Or is there anything that you would have done differently where it sounds like you were just kind of like, oh, we're just going to burn the ships and we're just going to like full steam ahead. So did you have any savings or any type of safety net or any runway there? Or what, were, what was your kind of situation at the time? I had $32,000 in savings. So the thing that I would tell any entrepreneur is we started winning with our money. Before my wife and I got married, we made a pact to each other that we would be out of all of our debt before we got married except for our house. Yep. And so when we entered into marriage, we said no debt, and we've never had debt since, ever. And we paid off our house by the time we were 31, and we just said, hey, we're just not doing it. And the reason why was I felt like the younger we could become financially free, and hey, just so you know, my pastor's salary when I was 22 was $20,000. My wife made $32,000. It was a combined income of $52,000 a year gross before taxes. Yeah. So this wasn't like we had all this extra money, but what we literally did is we sacrificed and we just lived off of a written spending plan. Every week we talked about our money and we put money aside and we saved up that $32,000 so that when the time came, and I didn't know what the time would be or what, what would happen is that we would have some runway and some cushion to be able to go out and make the jump. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up. I think that's so important for people. We were at a, a similar spot where my wife and I, we had about $25,000 in debt whenever we got married of student debt, student loan debt and credit cards and car loans and the usual stuff. And so, you know, we finally got really intentional about our money. It took us about two years early in our marriage and paid off every dime of that debt. And so, yeah, for the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, we've been completely debt free and it's been such a game changer for our marriage, but also just for business and for our career of, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier, we're getting ready to move to Nashville and my wife and I were saying like, I don't think we would have been able to do that had we not been debt free. You know, if we were trapped to a job or if we were trapped to a salary or trapped to an income, then you're stuck there. You know, I had breakfast with a buddy the other day and he was telling me about, he's probably in his mid thirties and he was telling me about some of his student loan debt. And I was like, you, you are stuck in your job. You can't do anything else right now because you, you have to pay that off. And once you start paying that down, well, then it opens up your options. But until then you're just kind of stuck. So it's just so important to have your finances in order before you start making significant leaps or taking huge risk. Yep. Totally agree. And it's just simple. It's the less debt you have, the more options you have. Yep. Absolutely. So once you start the new business is, it, and it takes you about three months to get going there, which is pretty quick actually. So once it's going, are you immediately feeling like, all right, this is it. I found it. This is what I want to do. Or are you still hitting any hurdles or, or roadblocks along the way? No, it sucked. I mean, cause <laughs> I was went from working with all my best friends to working alone. And I sat in a room that was about 10 feet by eight feet, this extra little closet in my house. And I made it my office and it was just me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was all great. And everybody has this sexy view of entrepreneurship of how awesome it is. And like you read all these magazines and you know, about these companies that go and they have an idea and then they get bought, you know, for millions or billions of dollars and all this kind of stuff. Well, that doesn't happen to anybody really. I mean, right. that's just, that's magazine once in a lifetime kind of stuff. The real deal is I'm just sitting there and yeah. I'm just calling people and I'm scared to death. And 
the reality is, is that I used to get a paycheck every two weeks and I'm not getting one in two weeks. And I was terrified. And yeah, we had some money in the bank, but like I was so scared to not be able to produce income for my family. So all I did, this is all I did. I just called people all day. I rode around in my 1998 Red Ranger pickup truck. I went door to door selling, like nose to nose, door to door selling to churches and businesses or whoever would listen at that point. I didn't even care. I just, anybody that would give me a check, I would do it. And that's what my life was like. It was a lonely, scary, exciting, but more scary place to be once actually, it was July 1st, 2008. And I remember sitting there just going like, gosh, I hope I made the right decision. And I'm screwed now. So I guess the thing to do is just sell something. And I just started just making money. That's all I knew how to do was just sell. But for someone that may be listening to this and maybe going, man, Casey, it sounds like you're an outgoing guy, that the idea of just sitting in a lonely home office slash prison cell just sounds miserable to you. So getting out and selling and talking and getting on the phone, that sounds like that comes easy. But, you know, I'm shy. I'm introvert. I don't want to sell. Well, like, what would you say to someone like that who finds himself in a spot is like, I don't feel like I can sell or I don't feel like I, I'm good at just going out and finding business or creating business? What would you say to someone in that spot? I would say don't start your own business. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, you have to be able to sell, not just sell for money, but sell your idea to potential staff people. You got to be able to sell the vision that you have in your heart, the vision that you have in your life. You got to be able to sell that to potential customers and clients. You got to be able to sell it. Hey, you got to be able to sell it to your spouse that they got to believe that you can go do it. And so many people I see, they're like, hey, I'm good at painting, so I'm going to start a paint business. Well, just because you're good at painting doesn't mean you need to start painting. So, so what I would say is that I would be very careful to start your own business if you're reluctant to selling. Now, can you start your own business if you don't sell? Absolutely, but you need to partner with somebody that can sell because ideas don't buy you anything at McDonald's. I cannot get a Coke at McDonald's for 99 cents with an idea. Right. It takes money, and you've got to produce real dollars. Well, what I would say is either partner with somebody or don't do it right yet. Gotcha. So three months in, you're starting to gain a little bit of traction there. It sounds like you've got some highs and you got some lows. How long are you doing it in its current model where you're feeling like, all right, this is it. I feel like we've made it or I feel like we're safe or I feel like sales are going to come in. Or at what point are you feeling a little more safe and secure with your decision? It wasn't for three and a half years. It was, it felt like every day I woke up and I got hit in the nose every morning. That's how it felt. And for three years. And so I did just the good old fashioned on-site consulting work. I did, I went around and spoke. I did all of the just selling my time kind of consultant business mentality. So it was always, I was constantly selling because nobody was paying me every month. So next month's revenue, I had to sell it. So it was a sales treadmill. And so that's what I did for three and a half years. And I made a couple of pivots. And, And the most interesting part when I look back at kind of the rocket company's story was that we've had three different names. We started as Rethink Money, but then we pivoted to what was called the Change Group. And then we did the Change Group iteration and then uh, for about 18 months, and then we pivoted to the Rocket Company. And the Rocket Company was about four years ago now, and so it's one that really stuck. But the pivots were basically when I got worn out and tired, not of the name, but of the way of doing business. And so Rethink Money lasted for about 18 months. 
And it was me going around doing that stuff. Then I pivoted to the change group and the change group was simply where I saw that churches, they really were bad at doing bookkeeping. And so I said, let's start a bookkeeping company for churches. And that's when I started doing that. And literally I just said, I don't know how to do this, but we're going to start a bookkeeping company. It was one of the best decisions of my life because it taught me the power of recurring revenue. That Once I got somebody as a bookkeeping client, they paid me every month. It was one of the worst decisions because I didn't know how to manage a bookkeeping business or a service-based business. And so it literally drained all of our savings from $70,000 we had in the black in savings by this point. We went to $30,000 in debt on a line of credit with the line of credit completely tapped out. I had to fire three people at one time, and it ended that three-year journey of me having to go to the Philippines to literally fly over there for a week, find companies to outsource stuff to just so we could remain afloat. And while I was in the Philippines, I literally had a near-death experience where I was almost killed by somebody who was over there with a knife. So it was like I hit rock bottom about three to three and a half years into the business. What went so wrong with the change group that you went, you know, $100,000 from uh, just a change in position there? What took place in all that? I knew how to sell. I didn't know how to run a business. Yeah. So when you're just doing consulting, you're selling your time. And so there's high profitability. But when I started bringing on staff, I brought staff on too quick and I couldn't pace with the amount of sales that had to keep up to keep profitability in the company with the staff. And we had no exterior lines of credit or we didn't have anything. It was just, we were a cash based business. We weren't going into debt to start the business. And so, but you know, we just ran out of cash because we were hiring too fast based on assumptions that we could keep up via sales. But then you just, there's a certain point where you just can't keep up the pace. And that's what happened to us. So let's talk about that for a second. For someone that may be listening to this, and maybe they've got their full-time thing going as an entrepreneur, and they're building some type of little small business, and they're looking to make maybe one of their first hires. How do you know when the right time is? Because it sounds like you may have pulled the trigger early, but I know that you've made some, you know, some pivots since then with the Rocket Company, and you've got a great staff today. So how do you know when the right time is to bring someone on? Yeah, there's a couple of things that happened, Grant, that were huge. Number one, I was disconnected from the expenses of the business. All I cared about was sales. And so I turned over the bookkeeping to somebody in our company that was supposed to be taking care of all the stuff. And they were taking care of keeping up with it, but they weren't alerting me that things weren't going well. I was just worrying about sell, 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 sell. And I was like, I don't even care about the fine. It'll work out. We'll just sell more, all this kind of stuff. So number one, you've got to keep your head in the finances always. I don't care if your company is a billion dollars. You've got to have your pulse on the finger of the finances. So that was my first learning that I would say to, to people is you've got to know that. Number two is that we went and we shifted from budgeting. Budgeting is like, it's just average in small business. Yeah. What is fantastic is living off of what's called percentages. And so we made a shift to where we live off percentages and our percentages would be like this. 33% of our money that we have come in from sales goes to operations. 27, I mean, excuse, excuse me, staff, 33% goes to staff. 27% goes to operations. That's all the operational stuff. And then 40% is profit margin. And that profit is pure profit because I am included in the operation expense with my salary as well. Mm -hmm. And so we know now built in that we live off of percentages, not just budget line items. And so if our percentages ever get out of whack, we know we either need to hire more people. Like for instance, if our percentages on uh, salaries goes to like 25%, 
then we are understaffed and we need to staff up because we know that it's about 33 percent is a great number for us so we need to staff up but if our staffing number goes to 40 percent we know that we're overstaffed and we got to increase sales or we got to decrease some of our staffing and so now we live off those percentages and it's just a total game changer in small business Gotcha. That makes sense. All right. So you make that second pivot from the change group into the rocket company. But let's talk about that transition there, because it sounds like you hit rock bottom. You're over in the Philippines, have a near death experience there. And then when you're at that place, just mentally, emotionally, spiritually just spent, are you thinking, screw it all. Let's just go back. Let's just find a job somewhere. Let's just get out of this and find a new thing. Or where's your head at at that point? I was there. I was close. Yeah. I was like, it was much easier to get a paycheck every two weeks sure. and live off a budget and that. But I said, but we've got something here. It's not working right now, but if we fix it, I think this thing could really work. And so what I did is I sold the bookkeeping business to an accounting firm and that decision was a great decision because I got out of a business that I shouldn't have been in anyway from the standpoint of I have no desire to do people's book like bookkeeping. I don't even want to talk about it. You know what I mean? It's just like a function. It's just I'm not ha- I'm not excited about it. So so it wasn't a business that I was passionate about anyway. So I sold that business and that gave us some cash flow to be able to make a pivot, which is into the idea that changed everything. And so here's the transition. Here's what we did. We said, you know what? We've been dabbling in a lot of things. We've been dabbling in consulting. We've been dabbling in bookkeeping. You know what we're going to do? All we're going to do is the one thing we know how to do. And at that point, it was we were going to help churches break through financially, period. That's all we're going to do. And so I said, hey, I've been traveling around the country. There's got to be a better way. Instead of me traveling and being on airplanes and missing family dinners all the time, there's got to be a better way to get our message to people. And so I started going down different pathways and I learned about a software called Infusionsoft. And Infusionsoft taught a philosophy of using online marketing to get generate leads and then not only generate leads, but sell stuff, but sell stuff that's digital. And so all of my coaching, all my consulting, everything to put it on recordings and that I could sell that. And I was like, there's no way anybody buys that online. And so I got deeper and deeper and deeper. I went to a couple of conferences that fall and man, it just hit me when I was at this conference. I was like, gosh, this is it. This is it. Because the reason a lot of churches would tell us no is they were so small, they couldn't pay us. And I was like, we can create the most affordable coaching where churches can get huge financial breakthrough by just putting this stuff digitally. And so that's when the idea came out of giving rocket. And that was in January of 2011. And the pivot that we made is that we're going to take everything we have and we're going to leverage online technology. And then we're going to use subscriptions to where we get paid every month to help pastors break through financially. And we launched giving rocket in 2011, January, 2011. And here's what I said, we're not doing anything else, nothing else until we have 500 paying subscribers at $99 a month, period. That's it. And so that's what we did. And literally throughout the year, other ideas would come up, opportunities come up. The answer was always no, not yet. We're only doing this until we have 500 subscribers. And we hit 500 subscribers in about October of that year. And that totally changed the ball game for everything. And that put us on the track 
to building what's called the Rocket Company now that has many different umbrellas and different subscription programs and online products and services. I want to talk about that, but I want to go back to something that you said kind of in, in passing there, that part of the reason that you wanted to, to sell the change group was you just feel like it wasn't a business you should have been in, in the first place. It was, you know, it may have made money or it had the potential to make money, but it wasn't anything you were passionate about. So for some of them, maybe listening to this, maybe they've got some different ideas or things that they're tinkering with. And maybe they're like, man, I've got this idea. This thing's a home run. It's a moneymaker, but inside it does nothing for me. It doesn't excite me at all. And maybe it's not even necessarily like, uh, maybe they, they've got good motives. It's not like an opportunity. It's not like get rich quick scheme. Like it's a legit business opportunity and something that they could do and generate some income or, or revenue for their business or for themselves. But it's nothing that stirs them up or gets them excited. So how do you kind of balance that thing of like, I, here's an opportunity, but it doesn't really do anything for me? Well, it's very interesting you say this because now I own a couple businesses and the businesses that I'm actively participating in, I have passion around. The businesses that I'm not actively participating in on a daily basis as an employee, I may or may not have passion around. And so you got to figure, like, I'm like, I'm going to be active where I'm passionate and I'm going to be passive where I'm not. And so if there's a way to make it passive, if there's a way to get into that or share the idea with somebody that is their passion or whatever, that, that'd be great. Again, I don't have a clear pathway for them, but I just can't work in something and do something that I'm not passionate about. Now, I'm not passionate every day about everything that I do. So sure. don't get me wrong. I don't wake up every day and I'm fired up every day that I'm so happy that I'm doing what I'm doing. Passion comes and goes. But I have an overall overarching passion for the rocket company and what we're doing here that stays very consistent. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And what I think what you said there too, that with any type of thing, no matter how passionate you are about it, there's going to come a point where it is work. You know, there are days where I'm sure, you know, 90% of the time you really like what you do, but yeah, there's still 10% of it that's just... It's still work and you still got to deal with people and you still got to deal with the bookkeeping is still there. And there's still parts of a business or any type of job or any type of career that's just like, ah, it's, I like most of it, but there's still this one little small percentage of it that I'm just, I, I don't really dig, but that's still kind of part of it. Yeah, I think there's really about 20% of it I like and 80% of it I don't like. And so that's why I hire people to do the 80% that I don't like. Makes sense. Gotcha. Well, hey, I got a couple other questions for you, but we're going to save these for the uh, the bonus round there. So uh, if people want to find out more about you and want to uh, check out more about the Rocket Company, what you guys are up to, where can we go? Yeah, if you want to find out about the company, go to the therocketcompany.com, therocketcompany.com. That's our corporate website. And if you want to connect with me personally, caseygram.com, caseygram.com. And uh, on Twitter, I'm at caseygram. And I have a Facebook page as well. And so if, if you want to follow on personally or a company, those are the couple places that you need to check out. Also, and definitely we'll talk about this more in the bonus round, but we'll uh, talk a little bit about uh, the business rocket, what you guys are doing there, because personally invested in some of your stuff and really good stuff. So we'll talk about that over there. So Casey, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Casey Graham of The Rocket Company. Hey, as always, if you did enjoy that, one of the things that we do is uh, we record some bonus material, so you're not going to want to miss out on this. Basically, uh, right after we finished this interview, Casey and I hopped back on the mic. We recorded a few more minutes that you can download completely for free. So the simplest thing to do is if you're listening on the phone or you're a mobile device of some kind, at the top of the show notes for this episode within the app that you're listening to is a link to download that bonus material. Just click on that link. It'll walk you through how you can get that free 
MP3. But I encourage you, if you enjoyed Casey's story, you want to hear a little bit more, make sure you download that. One of the things that Casey and I talk about in the bonus material is two of his biggest keys that has made his current business model work. So if you are an entrepreneur, especially if, or even if you're just an employee and you're trying to figure out what are some different things that as you've heard Casey's story, maybe you've been inspired by it, you want to know a little bit more about what is it that's made his business model work. Two of these big things that has been a huge, huge key for him, we talk about in the bonus round. So again, make sure you download that. Hey, uh, as a reminder, we do have that, that free webinar workshop next week where we're talking all about how to get booked and paid to speak. Make sure you register for that. Again, you can go to grantbaldoncom slash webinar. would love to have you come hang out with us, be a part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun, my friends. We're also going to be taking some time on that webinar to answer some of your questions about speaking. So don't miss out on that. Again, grantbaldoncom slash webinar. All right. I think that about wraps up this episode. we got some great, more great episodes coming to you next week. Some really great interviews lined up for the next several weeks. So excited to share some of these uh, coming stories and journeys. As always, if you've got someone in mind or maybe a career or uh, some type of field of interest that you're just like, man, I would love to hear someone from a certain space or industry. Let us know. Let me know. Just email me, grant to grantbalden.com. We will do our best to get that person on the show and hear more of their story and journey as well. Hey, feel free to email me anytime, grantograndbalden.com, or hit me up on Twitter. Anything that I can do to support you as you search for your own path of finding work and doing work that you love, make sure you let us know. So, all right, I think that wraps up this episode, boys and girls. We'll catch you next week. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.